Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Pelosi strikes again. <laughs> Incredibly. I don't mean that strikes again like Roger Clemens throws a strike or something like that. I mean strikes again. Um, putting out there just pure idiocy for all of mm-hmm. us to lap up. It's just ridiculous. I've got that. I've got some other stories on some suspicious stock trades. There's been a development on that by some insiders and an exit strategy for all of us to get our economy back as soon as possible. Today's show sponsored by expressvpn.com. We love ExpressVPN. Your online data is your business. Nobody else's. Keep it safe from prying eyes. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Fine, sir. Yo, doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. Ready to go. Ready to go. Tongue-tied as usual. Yep. <laughs> yes. Thank you for all yeah. the uh, listeners and viewers on yesterday's show. We appreciate it. It's going to be a stacked show, so let's get right to it. Today's show brought to you by buddies at Helix Sleep. Ladies and gentlemen, Helix Sleep has a sleep quiz that takes just two minutes to complete, just two, and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Are you a side sleeper, a hot sleeper? I am both. You like a plush or a firm bed? I like a little bit firm. With Helix, there's no more confusion and no more compromising. Helix Sleep is rated the number one mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is the most comfortable mattress I have ever slept on. Uh, maybe medium firm sometimes. It depends. But you do you. And how do you do you? You go to helixsleep.com slash Dan. Take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress like I did for you that'll give you the best sleep of your life. I took the quiz. I have a Helix Midnight Lux that was matched to me. It's the best sleep of my life. Paul and I both love it. My daughter has one, too. We love the Helix Sleep mattress. They have a 10-year warranty. They're so confident you get to try it out 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. You will. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners. Go to Helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash Dan. Helix, sleep.com slash Dan. Get $200 off your mattress order. Helix, sleep.com for up to $200 off your mattress order. Helix, sleep.com slash Dan. Helix, sleep.com slash Dan. Go today. Thank you, Helix, sleep. All right, Joe, let's go. Up, up and away. Yes, <laughs> sir. Now, we're going to do, as we do every day, kind of good news, bad news, because I'm not doing 24-hour hysteria and panic. If you want that, you're going to have to go somewhere else. Listen, our business took a hit. We're all taking a hit. We're going to try to get through this together. We're going to work our butts off. This is America. In the end, we always come out on the right side of these things. We're going to come out of this one. I'm not minimizing anything. This is going to be a struggle. But I'm not doing 24-hour panic and hysteria. I'm not. But there is some bad news here, and the bad news continues to get worse on this just atrocious, awful stimulus bill. Uh, It's not a stimulus. It may have been a Band-Aid. It is not going to stimulate anything. And ladies and gentlemen, I have some numbers in a Wall Street Journal piece now that it's all kind of come out that are going to start to really tick you off. And why do we bring this up? You may say, well, Dan, why bring it up now? Yeah. Because ladies and gentlemen, they're talking about phase four of the stimulus bill 
We haven't even determined what phase three, now that we have the numbers, is going to do or not do, and the numbers are troubling, and now you want phase four. And the rumor I'm hearing from the inside baseball folks is this, and this will not surprise you one bit if you're a regular listener to this program. Nancy Pelosi and her radical Democrat loons are already loading up phase four with all of their Green New Deal, radical leftist uh, social welfare policies that are going to change and alter the U.S. economy for decades. Sure. Joe's totally unsurprised. I'm just warning you, phase three, which was the air quote stimulus bill, we're already having trouble with. But now they already yeah. want phase four. Remember the Democrats' motto as per Rahm Emanuel, Barack Obama's former chief of staff and mayor of Chicago, never let a crisis go to waste. Let's go to the Wall Street Journal today, which has some pretty damning numbers on the Wuhan virus from China stimulus bill. Headline. Save capitalism from the CARES Act. It was called the CARES Act. I love how they call it that. The stimulus is the largest step towards a centrally planned economy that America has ever taken. By the way, the researchers who wrote this piece are serious people. Zingales and Saru. I've seen some of their stuff before. I listen to an economics podcast often, and they've done some significant work on this. Folks, centrally planned economy. You, you, you those words were not chosen in the subheadline of that piece randomly. I understood. Central planning is code word, not code word. It's, 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 it's equal to socialism. That's what central planning is. The government control the means of production. Now, that's their subheadline. Let's go to some of the numbers here. Take one on this. So they make the point that, keep this up for a moment. If you want to watch along at home, youtube.com slash Bongino, if the visuals help. Uh, there were 337, 377, excuse me, billion dollars in loans guaranteed to small firms on this. Well, that's interesting, Joe, because as the piece states, the $377 billion of the $2 trillion package is directly targeted to these goals, mm -hmm. these small business loans. These are loans to small firms, fewer than 500 employees. They're forgivable if the funds are spent on payroll, rent, mortgage, interest, and utilities. Okay, as I've said frequently, I don't think a bad idea, given that the government shut these businesses down, they didn't shut themselves down. But let's get into the numbers. By using the census data, the most recent data, Joe, these researchers calculated the total expenditures in payroll, interest, and rents of all the U.S. small firms in America, which amounts to $258 billion a month. So unless the Trump administration and these radical Democrats, which I'm throwing in there, by the way, in Congress, start introducing criteria for selective targeting, the money allocated in the CARES Act will run out in a month and a half. Designing conditions for targeting isn't easy. It may slow it down and speed is of the essence. But we fear the administration will soon come back to Congress with a new request for money. What's the problem here, ladies and gentlemen? Folks, if there's $377 billion in loans and the entire outstanding small business load of expenses for payroll, interest, and rents is $258 billion, then the simple math indicates that in a month and a half, the money will be gone. What's the issue with this, folks? The issue is $258 billion is every small business in America's month, ours included. Mm -hmm. We have fewer than 500. I don't, I don't think we have any employees. We have contracts. Oh, yeah. Sorry. 
what Paula's like. I say I need to. She's the business master. Folks, some of these businesses, I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'll just use my own. We don't need that money. We don't need a loan. We may. We don't now. We don't need that. We have to be careful about who we're giving these loans to. There are businesses legitimately struggling that need these bridge. They need them. There's no, listen, there's no question. They did not shut down on the roads. Nothing they did wrong. The government has shut them down. But ladies and gentlemen, this money, if the money is distributed to people who don't need it, will not only crowd out private loans right now for creditworthy businesses, but will also drain the money from people who do need it to stay alive and will have to come back again in a month and a half for more money, mm -hmm. which has to come from us. The government doesn't produce any. There's no slush fund. It's not a business. It's not producing value-added items. The government is simply taking the money from your future tax receipts for now. Folks, we have to do something immediately before this phase four comes in to better target this. We have to. We've already, this is already done and signed. The money's already out there. These bridge loans are going to be available. No talk of phase four should occur at this point without some specific targeting to businesses that are actually struggling. I can't imagine a worse idea right now than taking future taxpayer money, delivering it to businesses that aren't struggling in perpetuity in lieu of giving it to businesses that are, are struggling because of what the government did to them. The numbers aren't adding up, folks. Let's go to part two. Another argument for targeting this relief better. Quote from the journal, the expectation is that the central bank will leverage this money. This is $454 billion in loans from the Treasury given to the Federal Reserve to backstop loans. They're going to leverage these loans, ladies and gentlemen, at 10 to 1, which equals, by simple math, $4.54 trillion in loans available from the Federal Reserve to companies. Remember, the bank doesn't loan out dollar for dollar when it gets in. The bank gets money, loans out money for the future at a, le at a certain leverage fraction. If the Fed's going to leverage this money it gets from the Treasury at 10 to 1, that makes $4.5 trillion available to companies. But... That sum is more than all U.S. commercial and industrial loans outstanding at the end of 2019. Mm. All of it. There's only $2.3 trillion, Joe, in all U.S. commercial and industrial loans outstanding. Plus, if you factor in the new corporate bonds issued, that's $1.41 trillion more, which is still less than $4.54 trillion. Thus, if this capital is all deployed by the Fed and at rates, meaning low interest rates that will crowd out private capital, all capital, listen to this, listen to this line. This is the key takeaway, the bell ringing ding ding moment. If this happens and all this money is lent out by the Fed, backstopped by the Treasury, all of the capital allocations in the United States in 2020, the fancy word for loans, will be done by the Federal Reserve System, not by the capital market. Ooh. This is the largest step toward a centrally planned economy the U.S. has ever taken. Even worse, ladies and gentlemen, it only socializes the losses, meaning the taxpayers will pay for it. Right. The profits, when they come, remain private. 
I'm just giving you the numbers, folks. The United States government, through its central bank and its treasury, will be the single biggest loan portfolio manager in the history of humankind. I'm just giving you the numbers. And you want phase four? Not good, How bro. about we work on phase three first and start seeing where this money's going? So I'm crystal clear on this because I don't want any confusion because we have liberals who listen to this show that candidly, I'm serious, are not that bright. I read their emails. If you read them, you'd come to the same conclusion. I get it. The government shut these businesses down. If we destroy, as the article states too, and they're correct, these two researchers, if we wipe out our productive capacity, remember the tree farm example I gave you? You get a tree farm, yeah. you can't start selling trees for five years or so. They have to grow. So for five years, you're not making any money. You're eating up your working capital. And then after five years, you have big trees, small trees, medium trees. You can start selling them and you just keep replanting the trees. You don't have to start over. If we wipe out and burn down the whole tree farm by not providing bridge loans to struggling businesses because the government shut them down, we'll have no tree farm. You'll have a bunch of dirt. I get it. But if you have a tree farm down the street that's selling a lot of trees right now because certain areas of the country need trees or whatever it may be, or they're not struggling with the virus, they don't need a bailout. They don't need a loan while others may. Maybe it's a good idea right now to start targeting this before the United States government becomes the single biggest loan portfolio manager in the history of humankind. Just a thought. Don't forget those numbers, ladies and gentlemen. Every single outstanding corporate bond, corporate loan in the United States doesn't equal the amount the Federal Reserve is about to distribute in money. The numbers don't lie. People do. All right. Now let's get to a, kind of an optimistic note because we can still fix this. I gave you yesterday my battle plan to get out of this. If anyone had the guts to implement it, it would be absolutely terrific. But I think that battle plan would work in not only getting us out of this crisis, because we've always come out on the other side of these crises, a better, more prosperous country. Always. The Civil War, World War I, World War II. I mean, everything that's happened to us, the Spanish flu, we've always come out on the other side more prosperous because it's just written into our gene code. It just is. There's something different about this place. And the people who come here, always. But we need an exit strategy from this shutdown. And ladies and gentlemen, I can't propose this in strong enough terms. It has to be announced now. We cannot shut down the American economy past April 30th. I think people have written into the books right now. President Trump announced it. We're going to keep these social distancing guidelines until April 30th. A lot of these decisions, to be candid, are not up to the president. They're up to the state governors and the localities. So any liberal looking to blame President Trump for the economic shutdown, Joe's in Maryland. The governor of Maryland's Larry Hogan. Yeah. He just basically instituted, what was it up there, Joe? They, um, non-essential businesses right. have to shut down. Mm -hmm. and so you'd be more, he's up there. I used to live there. I don't yeah. need more. Not these essential. are state decisions. You can agree with them or not. But they're not President Trump's decision. But he has made a decision nationally to implement these social distancing guidelines to April 30th. Folks, we need to announce the exit strategy from this now. 
This is not as ridiculous liberals living in a media bubble in the Amtrak DC Washington quarter who never get out and talk to real people. This is not a blood sacrifice like these morons in the media who don't actually work for a living keep saying. These are real people who need to go to work to live to feed their families who don't want to be standing on bread lines in six months, who had profitable, hardworking businesses just months ago who are being left out. We need an exit strategy announced now. And the journal today has a good piece about this. It's worth reading. I'm not going to read the whole thing, obviously, but there are four highlights for the, and when I say exit strategy, I mean an exit strategy from this de facto national business shutdown, and it must be announced today. April 30th, These we've given the statisticians, we've given the medical professionals, and we've given the scientists room to implement their models. Their models have not exactly been accurate. They've been all over the place. Mm -hmm. The social distancing has clearly worked as the slope of some of these curves based on the number of infections per person have leveled out. It's now time to announce a battle plan so businesses can understand and get ready for an April 30th unleashing in this economy so America can get back to work. Media elite, you know, my friend Greg Gutfeld, who's a good man, said it yesterday, and it was a moment of self-deprecating humor, but it was worth listening to on the five. Gutfeld, who gets it because he, he worked in real places and at actual jobs before being in the media. Gutfeld said yesterday, you know, it's easy for us sitting here in the five. All of us have jobs. We're OK. It's easy for us to talk about this. What about the you know people out there humping for a living, working for them? What about them? People busting their asses. What about those folks? It's easy for us to do shows like this and write pieces about it. What about the restaurant owner, the cab driver, the Uber guy who hasn't had a pickup in three weeks? What about them? We need the exit strategy announced now. Let's get to it. Wall Street Journal piece. Very good. Talks about four components to what that would look like. How to get America working again. Any sustainable strategy against the coronavirus has to balance public health and economics by Kaplan and Levy. Piece number one. We need mass testing. I know it started out slow. I get it. The testing was not set up for this. I'm not apologizing for the president, the administration, or anyone. I'm not interested in doing that. I'm simply here to tell you our testing infrastructure for a pandemic was set up for satellite testing and surveillance testing. It was not set up for mass testing. They fixed it. They're working on it now. I don't blame whoever you want. I don't care. Phase number one of this expands testing. No, quote, no return to work strategies feasible without mass testing of the affected and the asymptomatic. The asymptomatic could be low-level spreaders, could be high-level spreaders. We don't know. The data's been all over on this. Singapore and South Korea deployed extensive testing, contact tracing, community surveillance, and isolation and quarantine of contacts and contained their outbreaks without massive economic damage. The March 29th data shows that incident rates in Singapore and South Korea were less than 12% of Italy's and the death rates 150th as large. German and Israel, which likewise acted quickly and decisively, also have far lower death rates than Italy and Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, we get this mass testing, which has been dramatically ramped up by the Trump administration. When we find out who the asymptomatic carriers are, People not showing symptoms who don't know they're sick who test positive. It can't be done by testing 330 million people. It can be done by testing random sampling in communities and getting an idea of how prevalent this is. 
Then we can ramp up to mass testing that by April 30th, we'll know who coming into the office has it, who doesn't. Those people will have to stay home, contact trace them, tell those other people to stay home too. And you will get what happened in South Korea where they had one twelfth of the numbers Italy did and they didn't have the massive sustained economic damage we're having right now. We can fix this. Don't be the Will Smith character and I am legend at the end. Where he's all skeptical. Watch that. I bet that movie and Contagion, I think, are two of the most viewed movies on uh, Netflix or whatever right now. That movie Outbreak, which I don't like that movie. The Mutaba. I wasn't a big fan of the movie. Dustin Hoffman just was a bad fit for that role. Let's go to exit strategy number two. First, mass testing. Number two, the government should conduct serological testing. In other words, screening the blood for antibodies to see how many in a random sample of Americans have already recovered from COVID-19. This information will give scientists a more accurate estimate of the mortality rate, which, if on the low end of current estimates, may allow for some public health measures to be relaxed. Folks, I have been arguing this from day one. There is, I I can't say this in strong enough terms. There is no question this is a serious public health disaster. Period. Full stop. Nothing else needs to be added to that. The real question is not, is it serious? Disregard that. Asked and answered. The question is, on a gradient, how serious of a threat to human life is this? Ladies and gentlemen, that question matters. If it had the fatality rate of Hanta, Lassa fever, Ebola, the Ebola virus, yes, this would require draconian measures to keep half the U.S. population alive. Mm-hmm. If we get serological testing and people find out they had the coronavirus and they'd already recovered and didn't know it, thought they had a cold, thought they had a flu and didn't, we will get a better estimate of how fatal this disease is. And if the fatality rate is something resembling the flu or five or six times a factor of the flu, then we know the public response. We know how to grade it. We don't shut the country down for the flu, despite the fact it's fatal in many cases. It's not serious. It's how serious. The question is, isn't it serious? We already asked and answered that. Yes, it's how serious. Because if it is more serious and more fatal than we think, then maybe the public health measures we implemented would have to continue. If it's not as fatal as we think, then we have to take into account other factors here as well. Again, ladies and gentlemen, anybody who gives you the simplistic talking point right now while you're unemployed, losing your job, and at a red line of stress right now, anyone who gives you the simplistic talking point, you know, it's it's not worth one human life. Ladies and gentlemen, we put a price on our own lives every day. We take risks in our lives because we have to survive. Police officers like I was go out every day to work Candidly, for menial, nonsensical salaries. They work for peanuts. Believe me, very few of the cops I know are getting, are getting rich out there. They risk their own lives every day because they have to survive and they do a job they appreciate and love. People travel on planes all the time and in cars despite the risk because they have to survive. We as a human race, as a country, have to survive this. We can't bankrupt the whole country if we don't have accurate data. 
We need that testing for antibodies. Stat. Three, we have to protect the most vulnerable. There's no question right now we know who the most vulnerable are. People who are susceptible to hyperinflammation and cytokine storms and an immune response and the elderly. We know that. The piece says, fortunately, screening for hyperinflammation is relatively straightforward and expensive. And targeted therapies for cytokine storm syndrome are already in clinical trials. Let me just translate that for you for a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes it's not necessarily the virus that's killing people. It's the immune response within the lungs causing pneumonia and causing basically a suffocation effect. Some people are more prone to an exaggerated immune response than others. That's what they're referring to with this hyperinflammation cytokine storm. We also know the elderly. If we can test and figure out if you're prone to that, we already know if you're elderly, you don't need a test for that. We know your age, you know your age then we can focus our assets, our isolation efforts, our social distancing efforts on those vulnerable crowds to protect them. We can then let the young go back to work. Four. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to open businesses where close contact's not an issue. Quote, many of the 7.6 million jobs in construction can be performed by physically separated workers. Allowing construction to restart, restore millions of jobs and reactivate the sector's extensive supply chains of building materials and products, plus the services that support them. I I see no reason if you're on a job site where social distancing is the norm, not the exception. You're laying brick here. Someone's pouring concrete there. If we can do it, then why not do it? Why are we shutting down these sites? I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. Folks, combine this with yesterday's show. We implement those four mechanisms right now. We implement some serious financial house ordering tomorrow. And I'm telling you, we could come out of this on the other side with decades, decades of growth and and prosperity once we get through the hard part, the down part, the bottom of that V. But we got to get serious. All right, I got some more about Pelosi. Some of you were a little confused about the tweet yesterday about Pelosi. It's my fault. I've run the gamut from over-explaining things and under-explaining things sometimes. Um, So so I was hesitant to explain the whole thing, but I'll get to Pelosi in a minute. Let me just get to my second sponsor today. Great sponsor. I'm I'm grateful to have him on board. Liquid IV. Ladies and gentlemen, their energy multiplier. Here it is. I got a box of it right there. Let me show you what it looks like here. You take out one of these. It tastes great. This is their energy multiplier. You're going to need energy for the whole day, right? You take out one of these. This is lemon ginger. You rip off the top, put it in a bottle of water. Tastes delicious. And there you go. Fatigue right down the drain right there. You're back. You're back in action. Half of Americans report they fight with daily fatigue. I do a lot. Maybe you recognize some of the signs of low energy, decreased focus, lack of motivation, you know, mood. I don't get moody, Paula, right? Unhappiness. She's like, nah, no way. Who wants that? Liquid IV's energy multiplier. It is right there. It gives you sustained energy throughout the day. Fight fatigue without the crash. It's the perfect replacement for morning coffee. And it's an all natural alternative to those processed energy drinks. Liquid IV has cellular transport technology. It delivers an optimal ratio of nutrients for more efficient uptake. It's enhanced rapid absorption into the bloodstream. It gives you lasting energy boost fast. It powers your mornings, long days of work. It's non-GMO, vegan-free, gluten, dairy, and soy. TSA-friendly, folks. Single-serving packets, perfect for travel. Throw them right in your bag. 
I take these on the road me, take a couple before a show, take one here, take one there, take when I need that energy, take one in the morning. I take one when I need to get the show going and need to be on time and I need my head in the game. Get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Bongino at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order on Liquid IV's website. They also have a, a sleep packet at night. You will be going to Lily White's party after you take that. That's what my mom used to say when we were going to sleep. <laughs> sleep one's good too. Just go to liquidiv.com and enter promo code Bongino to save 25% and get better hydration and energy. That's liquidiv.com, promo code Bongino. Liquidiv.com, promo code Bongino. Don't wait. Start fueling your adventures today. All right. I'm not kidding. I took that Liquid IV sleep one last week and Paula was like, what happened to you? She's like, I just went inside the bedroom and next thing you know, you were snoring. That's what was going on. All right, Nancy Pelosi's an embarrassment to the country, the Congress. We already knew that. Embarrassment to her caucus. She's a liar. She's really, of all the awful swamp you know, creatures I've ever seen in my life, Pelosi is basically the uh, Lord of the Rings on that one. It's really, uh, really getting bad. Ladies and gentlemen, if you think for a second, Pelosi's primary focus right now is getting us through this health, financial, and economic crisis that it's morphed into, I'm sorry, you are out of your mind. Nancy Pelosi's priority number one, as I discussed before, is going to be to dramatically expand the welfare state through a bunch of inefficient, ineffective government spending mechanisms that will do nothing to help small businesses recover from this. And priority number two is she's already starting the investigation and likely second impeachment of Donald Trump. Oh, you don't believe me? Hmm. Let's take it from Nancy Pelosi and her pal, Lawrence Tribe, themselves. Don't take my word for it. Just listen to them. First, let's go to the Daily Caller. Because Nancy Pelosi is now her new line of attack where she's going with this. Because remember, she's not interested in solving this crisis right now. I'm sorry if you felt that way. Your mistake, not mine. Nancy Pelosi is already involved in an investigation of Donald Trump. And the headline to that investigation of Donald Trump is going to be, what did Trump know and when did he know it, Joe? Because he underreacted. He missed the ball and people died. It's going to be, Trump lied, people died. Mark it. Mark the time. Mark the date. I discussed this yesterday. Now, I put out her tweet yesterday and, and a couple of people said, well, Dan, Nancy Pelosi's objection to the travel bans while the Wuhan virus crisis was exploding around the world. She mentioned the African countries. Yet yeah, that's the point. I'm sorry. And forgive me for not explaining. It's not me trying to like reverse cover. That mm. was the whole point. She was using identity politics and in order to avoid having to cover our tracks later about what was going on in China because she figured that wasn't a palpably good talking point. <laughs> she's like, we need a no ban act. And look at these African countries. Trump's a racist, basically. That was the point. She knew what was going on around the world and saw an opportunity to nail Trump with identity politics and introduce this act to ban travel bans. And she tweets about the African countries. That's what she was doing. Yet she's now claiming Trump underreacted and missed the ball with a travel ban that unquestionably helped us keep a larger percentage of people who may have been infected with the Wuhan virus from entering the country. Or as Joe Biden calls it, the Luhan virus. Don't forget Pelosi's line of attack. Trump underreacted, not us. We saw the threat here, Joe. Despite mm -hmm. her trying to introduce a measure to repeal travel bans. This is real. 
<laughs> this is Nancy Pelosi in live time with the assistance of a complying, bootlicking, ass-kissing media trying to literally rewrite history. From the Daily Caller piece. This is a good one in the show notes. William Davis. Flashback, February 24th, Joe. The Wuhan virus is raging all over the globe right now. Mm -hmm. February 24th. The the red alarms and and, and sirens are going off everywhere. February 24th. Pelosi stands in San Francisco's Chinatown and urges people to come out. Yeah. Here's a local news report. I'm not kidding. A video of Pelosi who's claiming Trump missed the ball. He didn't see the threat. Here's Pelosi walking around, no social distancing at all, urging people to come out and join her in Chinatown in San Francisco. Mentions nothing about social distancing, the danger or anything, because, you know, businesses are struggling. Here's Pelosi. It's exciting to be here, especially at this time, uh, to be able to be unified with our community. Uh, We want to be vigilant about what it might be on the uh, what is out there in other places. We want to be careful about how we deal with it. But we do want to say to people, come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. That's KPIX out in the West Coast. Pelosi, for those of you not watching on our YouTube, again, youtube.com slash bungee if you want to see the visuals. Pelosi is in a gaggle. Joe, is there any social distancing there? Uh, none. Packed together like sardines, Yeah, man. thank you. <laughs> You're damn right they are. Yeah. Packed in like the, with inches between them. Mm-hmm. Telling people to come on out. Come on out. Come on. February 24th. Mm. There's no secret on February 24th about what's going on. Everybody at this point knows there's a serious problem brewing around the world with the Wuhan virus. She's on tape. She's on tape. And she's already preparing. Pelosi should be impeached for underreacting. Pelosi. She's claiming Trump did, despite the fact that the travel ban happened at the end of January. Now. Even the Wall Street Journal, which is, you know, they, they, they're right-leaning, the Wall Street Journal, their opinion column. They do straight news on the other side. Mm-hmm. But they're not overly conservative. Even the Journal is starting to pick up on this, what's going on right now, how Pelosi's already writing the strip, script for impeachment round two. Take it from them, the Wall Street Journal editorial board. Pelosi cast the first coronavirus stone. The speaker compares Trump to Nero and blames him for deaths. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Look at this little gem halfway down the piece. Don't take it from me. This is the journey. They do this all the time. Why go there, they say. Why go where? In other words, Pelosi saying, Trump missed the ball. Trump lied. People died, Joe. He underreacted. Why go there, the journal says? Well, the cynical interpretation is that Miss Pelosi and her allies have seen the polls that show a majority of the public approves of Mr. Trump's handling of the pandemic. Gosh, can't have that, Joe. Uh. Perhaps she wants to undermine (laughs) that perception. She does, because that's who she is. She's a snake. She may also be sending a message, listen to this, to her left-wing allies, that even if Mr. Trump wins re-election, she'll be happy to investigate and impeach him again for his virus response. Bingo! Here it comes, kids. Yes, sir. 
no interest at all in fixing this problem right now, mm-hmm. which we will fix because we're America. None. This awful swamp rat, the worst of the worst, the worst of the worst, the boss of the bad people, Schiff, Nadler, she's the boss. You have the evil people and you have the evil supervisor. This is what she's doing right now. She's already trying to establish through her, her, her again, her cronies in the media, these sycophantic acolyte lapdogs who will drink this up. That Trump didn't do anything. I did. I did. Nancy, you're on tape. You're on tape recommending people in a gaggle of reporters. You're on tape recommending people come down, shop, do your thing, man. You're on tape. Do you think we missed this? You tweeted out that this travel ban, you were going to try to reverse it. Playing identity politics games. Did we, did, did you miss that? Your tweet wasn't deleted. Here's some more evidence that Pelosi, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, the Democrats run the House. You, you, I know you all understand this. Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. The Democrats have the majority in the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. If Pelosi wasn't setting up Trump, and didn't understand she had a black eye on her face with this no travel ban act, which a few people email me about. They're like, no, no, she was talking about Africa. No, she knew exactly what she was doing, folks. She was playing identity politics. Please take it to the bank. But if it didn't have anything to do with the travel ban and didn't have anything to do with the virus, as some of my couple critics said yesterday, Dan, that travel ban she wanted revoked had nothing to do with that. Really? Let's look at this Fox News story. Then why did Pelosi who was the Speaker of the House with the Democrat majority, headline Fox News' Bree Stimson, House polls bill that would rescind prior Trump travel ban amid coronavirus outbreak. Well, golly, why would she do that? Quote from the piece. The bill was pulled after House Republicans this week urged Speaker Pelosi to shelve the legislation due to coronavirus outbreak. I thought it had nothing to do with Corona. I thought it had nothing to do. I thought this rescinding the travel bans had nothing to do with Corona. So why would Pelosi agree? Well, Pelosi would agree because she knew she had egg on her face. Because she knew that travel ban was going to keep the infection rate down. So she quietly like pulled that little no ban act thing. Because you can't have the no ban act out there if you're going to do what, Joe? If you're going to accuse President Trump of underreacting. And you can't accuse President Trump of underreacting if he has a travel ban, which every single scientist on the planet worth his salt will tell you clearly prevented a mass infection in the United States. Tell me again how, no, no, Pelosi, she was genuine in that. It was about other, other, it was about other stuff. Sure. I'm not, not, I like your, I'm not playing. I, I don't want to be a sarcastic jerk with that. Forgive me. No. I, your, your emails are great and you keep me frosty. But I did not, that's my fault for not explaining that better yesterday. Pelosi, bottom line, knew exactly what she was doing with that tweet. And believe me, it had everything to do with coronavirus and it, what she thought wasn't probably going to be as bad as it was. And now she realizes she screwed up bad. Now, who's Nancy Pelosi's buddy? 
It's alleged that this is the guy who recommended to her that she hold the impeachment articles. We're not delivering them to the Senate. Remember that disaster? Oh, yeah. She looked like a fool. Yeah. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi, again, anyone telling you she's some shrewd political tactician, she's a joke. She's an embarrassment. She's embarrassed herself, embarrassed her caucus. She has been just wrecked on holding the impeachment articles, the impeachment, which bumped up Donald Trump's approval rating, holding the bill back for this pork laden stimulus thing. You know, she wanted the number of white people on people's boards as part of the bill, the airplanes to go like uh, run on solar power or some ridiculous <laughs> Green New Deal stuff. She just keeps face planting left and right. And the reason she keeps face planting left and right is because the rumors out there is that she's listening to this guy. Here's a tweet by Lawrence Tribe who has given her so much bad advice, it's astounding anyone takes this seriously. Here he goes. He's at Tribe Law on Twitter. Here we go. Again, you don't take it from me that they're setting up round three against Donald Trump. Collusion hoax, Ukraine hoax. Here we go. The Trump didn't respond hoax. Here we go. Lawrence Tribe, who Nancy Pelosi's buddy, quote, if withholding essential aid from Ukraine until it did Trump's bidding was impeachable, another hoax again, and it was, he says, why isn't doing that to New York, Michigan, Washington, or other blue states equally impeachable? Hmm. Asking mm, for a friend. Yeah. Wonder what friend that is. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> gosh, can't figure that out. Wonder who he's asking for. Don't take it from me. Damn, that's a conspiracy theory that they're setting him up for. It is, and why is Lawrence Tribe talking about it? Why is Nancy Pelosi floating a clear 100% black and white hoax that the president underreacted while she knew what was going on when she's on tape with doing the exact opposite, underreacting while Trump instituted a travel ban? Why? Because Nancy Pelosi and the rest of her ilk are garbage people. They're garbage people. Yep. That's all they are. Thank you to the lady, by the way, on Twitter who hashtag garbage people. They're garbage people. They're not serious people. Again, it's not that Nancy Pelosi's not looking to help in this crisis. She's actively making it worse. She's allocating her workday time and assets toward an impending investigation in Donald Trump for a potential another round of impeachment while we're in the middle of a global health pandemic. She's a garbage person. Hat tip Congressman Lee Zeldin from New York One, by the way. I saw this on his Twitter feed. You need photo evidence? Let me describe to you some of these photos on his Twitter feed. Let's show this one. Here's number one, what was going on in January. This is January 29th, ladies and gentlemen. It's a picture of Donald Trump. Looks like the sit room, the situation room at the White House. Gathered around with his coronavirus task force. See Dr. Fauci, the CDC head, head of HHS. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see a bunch of President Trump's highest level cabinet members around talking to the president on clearly is a secure teleconference there on January 29th about what's going on in their response to the coronavirus. That's January 29th. Let's look at picture two in the middle of January, January 15th, what Nancy Pelosi was up to. Oh, here we go. Here's Nancy, who was all over the crisis, Joe. On January 15th with her impeachment pens. There you go. Yes. Remember the impeachment pens? Mm -hmm. She signed the article of impeachment with 2,752 pens that are probably on eBay right now for sale for liberal lunatics to buy. Look at her smiling. That's what Nance was doing. And just a couple weeks later, 
we were in the middle of an impeachment trial on another Pelosi, Schiff, Nadler, Schumer, tribe, hoax. See, old adage, Joe, picture's worth a thousand words. A picture's worth a million words in that case. Yeppers. Trump in the situation room. What are we doing about this Wuhan virus from China? Nancy Pelosi, impeachment pens for sale. $22. Donate them to my website. Tell me again how Pelosi's not a garbage person. Yes, it's Trump that underreacted. That's right. It's Trump. Another listener said to me, you know, Dan, this guy, Alan, he writes some nice stuff. I always appreciate it. He said, you know, you should probably drop that line. You say a lot that, you know, we think liberals are people with bad ideas and they think we're bad people with ideas. That's the difference. No, no, I'm not dropping that at all. I've tried repeatedly to argue ideas in good faith. You can't do that with people with bad character. Liberals don't even try to argue ideas with us. Maybe it's a better way to frame that. They don't even bother. They just lie from the start. Hmm. Hmm. You think Nancy Pelosi has any evidence whatsoever to back up her hoax that President Trump underreacted? Trump lied. People that she has none. The evidence is against her. There is no argument there. I'm telling you repeatedly, having run for office and having been there, I have tried to argue the facts and data with liberals, but because they think we're bad people, not that we have bad ideas, they're not interested. No matter how much evidence you show the liberals watching my show, and I know you do, I get your nasty emails and your dopey Facebook messages. It doesn't matter. They hate you. No amount of evidence out there is going to convince them that Nancy Pelosi was in the wrong here. I just played for you a video. I showed you a tweet yesterday. I just showed you photo evidence of what she was doing while Wuhan virus was breaking out. It doesn't matter. They think we suck. They think we're awful people. Evidence is irrelevant to them. It doesn't matter. They've convicted you before the trial. So I appreciate the feedback, Alan, but no, my assertion is 1000% correct. We argue facts with dopey people. They don't argue facts. They offer nothing but hatred back to us. You don't believe me? Did you see Mike Lindell yesterday at the press conference? Yeah. My pillow guy? Yeah. Dared to mention the Bible. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. liberals lost their minds on Twitter. The blue checkmark brigade. Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, is donating 50, what, 5,000 masks or 50,000? I don't even know. I'll go on the low end. It probably was more. 5,000 masks with his factory and mentions at the end it's probably a good time to read the Bible. And yet you had Ali Velshi from MSNBC and that goofy sleazeball Aaron Rupar, whatever the hell his name is. I don't know what the heck that guy's name is because his thing is a troop. I don't know if his name is Aaron T. Rupar or Rupar T. I have no idea what it is. This guy insulting this guy? What are you doing, Aaron? What are you doing, Ali? You donating masks? Oh, no, sorry. You're in mommy's basement roasting your s'mores in between bouts of porn sessions, insulting people on Twitter. Yeah. Thank God for liberal Twitter. What would we do without them? Ooh, you just said God. You can't say that either. Idiots. Okay. George Soros is back. He's back. This guy's always back. Yeah. You think I'm messing with you? Check out this story at the show notes today. Bongino.com slash newsletter again. If you go there, subscribe to my show notes. I'll send you these articles every day. Not kidding. Newsbusters. Joseph Vasquez. 
George Soros-funded Priorities USA action, but she's anti-Trump ads, leads all virus TV ads for the week with 1,074 earnings. Never leave George Soros out of a crisis either. Always there to take advantage of it. So his Priorities USA in the middle of a crisis, Joe, is funding this Democrat pact, which just pumped $6 million into Trump ads, claiming Trump called the Trump virus, uh, the uh, the uh, coronavirus, excuse me, a hoax. Oh, jeez. I have a chapter on my upcoming book about George Soros that's going to be fascinating. Never let a crisis go to waste, especially when you're George Soros and you can run millions of dollars in political ads attacking the president in the midst of one of the biggest crises we've suffered in decades. Nice work, George. Always there when we need you, aren't you? Speaking of people always there when we need them, uh, we needed some comic relief today. You know, I don't like the dour note of some of these shows. Again, we'll get out of this. I just gave you the battle plan. I gave you the financial plan yesterday. We can fix it. Hopefully we'll get some leaders with guts and we will. But we do need a little bit of comic relief and who's always there to provide it. Moscow Maddow, Roswell Rachel, always there at a time of crisis to promote a debunked conspiracy or make us all laugh with her show on Trump's tax returns. Remember that one? I've got his tax returns. That was hilarious. And it showed he donated more to charity than any of the people at MSNBC. That was great. That was great. Remember her two and a half years in the collusion hoax until her audience collapsed and they realized they'd been lied to? They were like, I wasted two years of my life on a hoax. Maddow told me he was real. Yeah, you did. This one's hilarious. This is Moscow Maddow. Now, President Trump, as our commander in chief, dispatched the USS Comfort, a hospital ship, up to New York to assist the New York City with its outbreak of Wuhan virus patients. Moscow Maddow, she didn't like that good news, Joe. Mm. And she said, this is nonsense. President Trump faking this good news, saying that the comfort's going to be up there in weeks. What a liar. Watch her meltdown on the air. God forbid there was any good news because Moscow Maddow loves conspiracy theories. Check this out. In terms of uh, the happy talk we've had on this front from the federal government, there is no sign that the Navy hospital ships that the president made such a big deal of, the comfort and the mercy, um, there's no sign that they'll be anywhere on site helping out anywhere in the country for weeks yet. The president said when he announced that those ships would be put into action against the COVID-19 epidemic, he said one of those ships would be operational in New York Harbor by next week. That's nonsense. It will not be there next week. (laughs) (laughs) You have really Moscow, (laughs) Maddo. Joe, 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 hold on. Don't laugh at her. Come on. That's rude. She's a Rhodes Scholar, Joe. She's a Rhodes. What do you know? What? Dopey audio engineer. Road? Oh, look at this. <laughs> I mean, we got two idiots, you and I, Joe. Cop and an audio guy. What do we know, Joe? Look at this. Here's a Twitter. Here's Twitter's uh, a Twitter feed of the New York GOP. Help is on the way. Here's the USNS Comfort arriving in New York against the backdrop of Lady Liberty. Hashtag New York Strong. Big boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, big boat. There what it is. What do we know? What do we know? Really, dopey audio guy, stupid former cop I am. What do we know? What do we, we need a Rhodes Scholar like Roswell Rach, Moscow no. Maddow. That show, that ship, Joe, that's not going to arrive for weeks. There's no sign of that. Go listen again. 
Rewind the YouTube, rewind the audio. Mm -hmm. You're listening on terrestrial radio on some of our stations. Go home and listen to the podcast and listen again. There's no, Joe, no sign. No (laughs) sign. Bad call, Rach. Hold on. Bad call. (laughs) Hold on. Here we go. Sometimes we need, because liberals really are not that bright. Here comes the sign. Yes. Uh, I'm going to, yes. Yes, signs are good. clever. I didn't even think of it. We're going to make a sign. Here we go. There is no (laughs) sign. No sign of the ship. No sign except for the actual ship arriving in the go. harbor. I'm sure the New York GOP faked go. that. Yeah. That's all a joke. It was. It's a movie. It's a. It's a David. Uh, what David Copperfield? Remember David Copperfield <laughs> yeah. made the Statue of Liberty disappear. That's an illusion. The comfort's not actually in New York City right now. It's all an illusion. They're all making it up. There's your gal on the left. I'm sure you're very proud, Roswell Ray. She's a Rhodes Scholar, Joe Rhodes. No, R O A D S. You beat me to the punch there. <laughs> I saw you yeah, going that she's way. She's not R H O D E S. It's road scholar. Yeah, like hit the road, please there get off the you air. Go, what Dano. an embarrassment. There you go. What I mean, just total rage that President Trump had a potential solution for the overcrowding in the New York City hospital problem. Total rage that he suggested that exactly one week and six days later. The comfort would be up in New York. There's no sign of that. No sign. You're right. There's no sign of it. It's the actual ship. You don't need a sign for this. It's just the actual ship itself. Road scholar. Thank God for road scholars. Uh, as we said, moving on about this stock story, this story should candidly piss a lot of you off. I know it did me. Daily Caller. I told him we'd give him time because of the Bongino rule, but I have not seen an adequate explanation yet. From Senator Richard Burr, Chuck Ross, Daily Caller, report. The Department of Justice is probing Senator Richard Burr's stock trades. Good. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't give a damn if this guy's a Republican, independent, communist, liberal, Democrat, whatever. He is a Republican senator from North Carolina. But I have not seen yet a satisfactory explanation for Richard Burr. Listen, the man is innocent until proven guilty. I don't pile on people unnecessarily. But Richard Burr made between $628,000 and $1.72 million in stock trades after receiving some kind of a briefing about the Wuhan virus from China. And then went out and gave some kind of a public speech. It's not a secret speech, like some are saying. Let's not be dramatic for effect. But gave a speech to a small group of people. It was not private. It was was something they do often. But seemed to hint at that briefing that this was going to be serious, resembling the 1918 Spanish flu outbreak. I still have yet to see a satisfactory answer from Senator Burr. What I find interesting about Senator Burr, too, is, again, who still has not given a satisfactory answer to this. His explanation has been, well, I relied on a lot of public information. Oh, really? Okay. Um, Still seems kind of shady, no? What's fascinating is Senator Burr is still giving, there's a number of adequate explanations to why the FBI and others were spying on Donald Trump during Spygate while he was on the Intel Committee. And he still keeps downplaying that scandal. Nah, Senator Burr is no friend of ours on this show. Let me just be crystal clear. The man's innocent till proven guilty. But let me tell you something. I don't care what you have in front of your name, an R, a D, a C, an L, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I don't care one bit. If you are using your position 
to short the market, make money off the market, whatever you may be doing, what you're doing is unethical and immoral. If that happened and he did something illegal, I don't care who you are. So now the DOJ is investigating. Good. Now we'll see how he likes it being under investigation because he didn't seem to mind much when it was happening to President Trump. Let's see how Rich likes it. This is incredible. We're gonna, we may actually get through all this. Great Breitbart story in the show notes today. Again, ladies and gentlemen, showing you how the media has proved themselves during this crisis to be totally useless. John Nolte, reports of mass theft were not controversial until Trump brought it up. Again, in the show notes, Bongino.com slash newsletter. Read this piece because it shows you again a couple of things. And I tweeted this this morning. I tweeted it after reading this article while preparing for the show. You know, I'm serious when I say this. In this national crisis we're living through right now, it's depressing. It really is for a lot of us. A lot of us are watching business opportunities and our businesses and people get sick and things just collapse all around us. And it's just awful. We'll get through it. We'll fix it. We're tough. We've always been tough. We are. We're hard folks and we'll get through it. But in this crisis, the indispensable nature of our firemen, EMTs, paramedics, nurses, hospital staff, doctors, farmers, truckers, grocery store folks who stock the shelves, people who get dirt under their fingernails, you have proven again to America how indispensable you are. It's not virtue signaling. It's not, hey, look at me, rah, rah stuff. It is a fact. A fact. We're three weeks into this crisis. You can go a month without food. Next week, we'd all be dead if it wasn't for you. Not a joke. Not a joke. Not hyperbole. You, the farmers who grew it, the truckers who trucked it, the grocery store uh, uh, workers there who in the stores and the owners out there who put that food on the shelves, we'd be dead without you. Dead. You are indispensable. And I think given our level of prosperity in the United States, we've taken that for granted. I think we have. You just show up at the local Wawa, Publix, Key Food, finest, dating myself, whatever it may be, King Cullen. You just show up and you expect the food to be there because it has. Now I think we're all realizing that a trucker trucked that. Someone working at a stock that shelf. Farmer had to grow that. And now we're like, gosh, thank God they exist. Why do I bring that up in light of this article? Because in that time, we've seen a foil effect. We've seen how bright the diamond of our incredible dirt under the fingernails workforce is. And we've also seen how dark and horrible and gross in many cases our class of media and political idiots are. They are the most useless people among us. Useless. Useless in a crisis. It's not that they don't help us. It's that they actively are hurting the situation. I already showed you Pelosi, mm -hmm. who's already involved in investigation phase 672, not solving the crisis. But this story by Breitbart's fascinating. Because if you go down, Donald Trump had mentioned in a thing, in a, one of his pressers, excuse me, Precision Matters, in one of his press conferences this weekend that just passed, that, hey, we're shipping all these masks and they're disappearing. He brought up a valid question. Where are they going? 
The media, Joe, lost their minds. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Is he suggesting nurses are stealing masks? That's not what he said. That's not what he said. He asked a simple question. Where are the masks going? The numbers aren't marrying up. When Trump asks it, though, Joe, our useless, feckless, malfeasant media slobs, of course it was a controversy. Trump accuses doctors of stealing masks. No, not true. But you know what's kind of hilarious, Joe? Hmm. When their new golden calf, the Democrat governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, Mm -hmm. said the exact same thing, nobody thought anything of it. It's only when Trump says it that it's a big deal. Quote John Nolte's piece in Breitbart. To begin with, and without the media freaking out even a little bit, New York's very own governor, one Andrew Cuomo, said the exact same thing more than three weeks ago. Quote, Cuomo, as fears over the new coronavirus in New York, this is, oh no, excuse me, this is from the newspaper. As fears over the new coronavirus in New York spread faster than the outbreak, people have started to steal masks and other medical equipment from New York hospitals, Governor Cuomo told reporters Friday from a news report. Here's the exact quote. Not just people taking a couple or three. I mean, the actual thefts of those products, Cuomo said at a press conference from the state capitol in Albany. Cuomo, again, quote, I've asked the state police to do an investigation, looking at places that are selling masks, medical equipment, protective wear, feeding the anxiety. But ladies and gentlemen, don't worry, the media is all on the up and up. Where was the uproar over that Cuomo statement? Where was the uproar about that? Cuomo accuses nurses of stealing masks. There was none. Why? Because the media are feckless, useless losers who are doing nothing to assist anyone in this crisis. I'm going to leave today's show with a quote I've used often. I hate quotes, but once in a while they're illuminating. If you've ever seen the movie Seven Days in Entebbe, great movie, love it. The dance part's a little weird, but the hijackers take the plane. They wind up in Entebbe. They're keeping everybody hostage. The Israelis wind up kicking their butts later. True story, by the way. But the pilot of the plane knows how to fix the plumbing in the place they're being held because the plumbing doesn't work. And the revolutionary who's holding them all hostage, who's probably a social justice warrior with a gun, he tells them, what is it? Give me a hundred plumbers. Give me a hundred revolutionaries for one plumber. Give me a thousand Media blogger losers sitting in their basement for one farmer right now. 10,000, maybe 30,000, probably a fair trade. Thanks again for tuning in. Please subscribe to the show, youtube.com slash Bongino. We really appreciate that. We're almost at 400,000 subscribers. We picked up a couple thousand yesterday alone. So thank you very much. It's all free, youtube.com slash Bongino. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts as well. If you go to your podcast app on your phone, it's on every phone. It's that little purple icon. You search Bongino Show and hit subscribe. It's all free. That helps us move up the charts a lot. We were number nine yesterday. Nine. You believe that? That's all due to you. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Facts here. We're not doing hysteria. We'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.